0: The Atop the Pit Box Podcast with your hosts, Zach and Josh. Good evening,
1: fantasy NASCAR race fans. Welcome to the Atop the Pit Box Podcast presented by paradiseexecutiveproperties.com. On this episode, we're going to talk all things Homestead and look ahead to this weekend's playoff cutoff race at the Martinsville Speedway. Josh, how you doing?
0: Doing well tonight, Zach. How you doing?
1: Doing good, man. can't believe we uh, there's
0: only two more races left this season. It's kind of sad to think about. We're not going to have our uh, weekly chats here uh, on Tuesday nights after a couple weeks.
1: Yeah, it's it's felt like we've been doing this forever, but when you look back, it, it really hasn't been that long, but the season's gone fast.
0: The first one we did was, was Dover. Um, So that was in back in April. So uh, it's, it's been, it's been a long season. So we're, we're almost to the, to the end here. So uh, before we continue, we do want to thank you for listening. If you do enjoy the show, we ask that you please share it with your friends and family so that we can continue to grow this thing. We are now less than two weeks away from our end of the year celebration at the West side in Harlan, Iowa. We're going to be having a potluck drink specials, giveaways should be a lot of fun. The race uh, is scheduled to begin at 2 PM. We will be there a little bit before that. Uh, but the race is set to uh, start at 2 PM. And then finally uh, our website atop is now live. We've been, Working really hard uh, to put this thing together, so please let us know what you think. Check it out. We got updated league statistics, historical statistics on there, so check it out. See if there's anything that you know you'd like to see that we're not currently uh, we don't currently have on there. Uh, But just let us know what you think. Check it out. Atopthepitbox.com. It's also your spot for uh, your your standing. So if you want to, instead of checking the email. We do have the standings on there as well. With that out of the way, let's take a look at the NASCAR news of the week. And first up, Zach, it looks like the Custer appeal is set to take place this week.
1: Yeah, that's correct. So for those uh, that remember this, this is the appeal from the Robo race where NASCAR deemed that he helped his teammate Chase Briscoe out. That appeal is going to take place, like you said, this Thursday. It'd be interesting to see uh, if Stuart Haas Racing wins the appeal, or, or whether NASCAR uh, wins and those, you know, the fine and the penalty stay in place. So we'll see what the outcome is. Most likely, uh, sometime Thursday afternoon.
0: So is this the same group that reviewed the uh, the other incident with? Um, I'm blanking on it. who it is. It the- Byron. Byron, yeah, the Byron uh, yep. penalty yeah I think it's the same group it's
1: it's a, it's three I think it's a board panel of three and they are outside people. I think one of them was like the president of GM for a while uh, and then there's two more so they've got ties to motorsports, but they also aren't actively involved in it so it's a, it's a third party arbitrator essentially so uh, that's kind of what um I guess gives it some
0: space from NASCAR so it's not the same people making the decisions. Do we have any idea which way they're gonna go? Has there been any kind of leak or anything? I haven't seen
1: anything about you know what what they're gonna argue with in regards to their defense. Uh, NASCAR has got the data, they've got the radio communications, they've got all that stuff uh, backing their side. So, I, I, again, who knows what what they're gonna argue or what they're gonna say? But. Uh, I have not seen anything. They've been pretty close to their vests on this one. So uh, you'll find out with with me and the rest of us on Thursday afternoon what what uh, the outcome is.
0: So then the other piece of news from last week pertains to Bubba Wallace, who was suspended for uh, this past weekend's race at Homestead due to his incident with Larson the week before. And we talked about NASCAR was kind of put into a difficult situation And ultimately, you and I both agreed that we thought the suspension was justified and fair. What did the drivers have to say about the suspension?
1: Yeah. So, at the media session this past weekend at Homestead, a lot of the drivers were asked about their opinions of the suspension, uh, as that was still kind of a hot topic this past weekend. And pretty much every single driver that I Uh, heard or saw on social media including Denny Hamlin who owns 2311 Racing was very supportive of NASCAR's decision and didn't disagree with it one bit Uh, they know where NASCAR stands in regards to you know retaliation or certain situations such as what Bubba Wallace did to Kyle Larson Uh, and they're glad that NASCAR has finally stepped in and decided to kind of draw the line, per se, because if you think back over the last couple of years, it's kind of been a you drivers decided it, it's up to you. Uh, kind of almost like a free for all where the drivers self police themselves. But this this kind of drew a line in the sand with NASCAR stepping in. And um, again, a lot of drivers supported them. They were glad to see NASCAR doing this. And hopefully this keeps
0: things calm moving forward over the last, you know, the next two races. So, I think the, the biggest thing that I've heard with, with the suspension is everybody's happy that, you know, that it happened. They're glad that, that NASCAR set this precedent. Uh, I think that there is some leeriness from some of the teams, you know, especially ones that have been around for a while that, the consistency is not going to to be there. So I think they just hope that the next time something happens in this kind of situation, that the same punishment is, is handed out. If NASCAR chooses not to do that, then we're going to be having a, a quite a different uh, conversation.
1: Yeah. You bring up a really good point there, Josh. NASCAR has not been co- consistent over the years with their penalties and the way they discipline or, or rule uh, on things. Uh, in this case, it was kind of setting the precedent moving forward. Uh, I, th- I think back to the Xfinity race uh, at one of the road course races where Noah Gregson intentionally turned a guy on the straightaway at very high speeds, caused a multi-car pileup, and he did not get suspended whatsoever.
0: And he Whereas- admitted to to doing it, right? Exactly. He yeah, came he out did. and said that he yep. purposely did it.
1: Yep. And so that's where the, you know, again, that's just one example of NASCAR being I- inconsistent. So hopefully this sets the framework moving forward that if something like this happens, this is what uh, Bubba Wallace was, was suspended for one race. And that's going to be the penalty moving forward, if not worse, depending on how egregious it is.
0: Now let's move to this past weekend's race at Homestead. overall, I enjoyed the race. I thought the track allowed for some good passing, kind of lived up to the hype that we set for it on last week's podcast. Three and four wide was, was entertaining. So I I can see why the championship track, it was the championship track in the past. Um, For me, it was so amazing to watch these drivers drive so close to those walls at the speeds that they were going and so for me, I was just super impressed by, by that skill level. What did you think about the race? I'm, I'm basically in the same camp as you. I,
1: me personally, I thought it was a top five of the race year candidate. Uh, I was excited going into Homestead. It's one of my favorite tracks on the circuit, because to me, I considered it more of a driver's track than most of the tracks. Cause you've got multiple lanes, as you said, the high lines dominant, it's predominant. And, uh, it seems like there is a very it's high risk, high reward when drivers go up there, because if they get into the wall too hard, uh, as some drivers did, it kind of ruins your day, especially with how weak these toe links are. But from an overall standpoint, I thought the race was fantastic. I love the three to four wide racing, especially on restarts. Uh, the drivers could pass. We saw multiple drivers start or get put at the back of the field and then work their way up toward the front. So from an overall standpoint, again,
0: I thought it was a fantastic race. So not a lot of storylines for this week, but let's start with uh, Kyle Larson, who led most of the race and dominated the race and took the checkered flag.
1: Yeah, what a dominating day for Kyle Larson. Uh, The first thing I thought of when I was watching that race was, You know, this is the Kyle Larson that we all expected this year. And it it reminded, you know, me uh, and maybe you guys as well uh, about last year and just how dominant he was last year. Uh, He had that high line working. He hit the wall a couple of times, but it wasn't bad enough to, you know, ruin his day. Uh, The car was tough. He was able to keep going. uh, And, and. Again, just dominated that race. We have not seen a driver dominate one of these races with this next gen car like Kyle Larson did. So uh, it was fun to see, uh, and, and it was it was good to see him get back into victory lane because he's had a pretty tough year.
0: Yeah, that is a an interesting point you make about the domination. Uh, yeah, I don't. I this has to be the most dominant win of any race this year. So that's it's pretty impressive. He has a super fast car all day. Obviously he dominated. So, um, and again, it was just so impressive to watch him drive along the wall. He was leading those last, I don't know, 30 or 40 laps. He was still running inches from the wall and one little mistake could have taken him out and and ruined his day. So I know you mentioned he he brushed up the wall a couple of times, but you know, nothing too, too significant and the car could handle those bumps. And so overall, I'm I'm really happy for him. And, uh, unfortunately he's out of the playoffs, so it doesn't matter too much for him, but the the owners get their, uh, get to advance.
1: Well, so you bring that up and the crazy thing is, and I haven't figured, like clicked on any articles or, or did any research to figure out how this is possible. But with that win, he has locked the number five car into the owner's championship from a point standpoint going into Phoenix. So this could be a, a first time or, or a rare instance where you have a driver champion and you have an owner's champion be two different teams or two different things. So that's something to keep in mind going into Phoenix as well. But the number five car uh, is hot and he has a chance to win the owner's championship come Phoenix.
0: So the owner's championship, I've really never heard of that until this year. So that's an every year thing, right? They always have the that owner's is- champion.
1: Yep, that is where and a lot these teams get a gi- a giant portion of their of their money uh, is at the end of the year their their prize bonus pool per se on where they finish in those standings it is worth a lot of money.
0: So, typically, the the driver that wins the championship is the on the team that wins the the owners championship.
1: Typically, I'd say that that's how it works out. Yes, uh, I don't ha- I don't have a lot of knowledge with this, but. I, I did see some stuff on Twitter and I did see some headlines saying that uh, the number five car is racing for the owner's championship in Phoenix, even though Kyle Larson is not racing in the playoffs or is eligible for the championship from a driver's standpoint. I don't know how that's possible, uh, but again, this could be one of the first or or few times that you have two different types of
0: champions. Interesting. So as good as a day as Larson had, there were drivers that did not have a good day. Specifically, a couple drivers that are still currently in the playoffs. So let's start with Chase Briscoe.
1: Yes, yeah, you know he's he's made a he's kind of been a Cinderella story here at the playoffs, and uh, he was having a mediocre day to start with at Homestead, and with four laps to go in Stage Two, he got loose on the back stretch. Overcorrected and slammed really hard into the wall, and that essentially ended his day. He brought it down to pit road. I think they said they had a broken control arm. I assume they have a broken toe link as well. They were going to start fixing it. There was some confusion, said go behind the wall because if you have a broken control arm, you can replace it behind the wall. But then they were also confused that if you go behind the wall, then their day is done. And eventually, that's what happened. They brought it behind the wall, and his day was done. So uh, he's now in a must win position. Come this weekend at Martinsville.
0: Yeah, it's been a good run for Briscoe. Uh, I think, I think he's gotten further than really anyone thought possible for him. So good, good for him. But you're you're starting to see the difference between a top playoff team and and where his is his team's at right now. Um, and that's not a knock on Chase Briscoe, but that's just the reality of the situation when you get down to to four teams. That's that's the cream of the crop. And and he's got a little ways to go to get there. But overall, I think you got to consider this uh, a successful season for him and he can start to build on this and and see what happens for next year.
1: Yeah, if you think about it, when the playoffs started, I I can't remember exactly um, if we gave our picks to advance each round or or not. But uh, me personally, I did not have Chase Briscoe advancing past the first round. So, like you said, to get to where he's gotten to this point in the season, uh, I would think you'd have to deem this an overachievement per se in a very successful season. Uh, I know it's, it's going to be heartbreaking for him if he's not able to win it at Martinsville in advance to the championship, but he has nothing to hang his head about with how good this year has gone for him.
0: Yeah. So, if he's overachieving, that leads us into the next topic or the next driver. And that's an underachiever, Ryan Blaney.
1: Yeah, so <laughs> uh, good every, week. North, every week, <laughs> but uh, you look back at Homestead, Ryan Blaney, you know, he was having a pretty solid day there. And I think he was, man, he was, he was in the top three when he, when he pitted and they're going through that pit cycle. Well, he just got done pitting and he was going Uh, off pit road he was on the access road he was getting up to speed and all of a sudden the camera pans over and he's backwards going into the grass and, and nascar had to throw a caution flag and you wonder you know what the heck happened did he blow a tire uh did he hit something like how is that even possible to wreck your car on the access road and it sounds like he downshifted on accident and when you downshift these cars uh, unintentional, for, for whatever reason, they spin out. Uh, and that's exactly what happened to Ryan Blaney. So, uh, again, like, what a year for Blaney. He's had so many self-inflicted issues that have prevented him from, you know, top five finishes, possibly wins. Uh, and, and the story just goes on for, for him and his situation.
0: Yeah, we've talked about the issues Blaney, Blaney has faced this year pretty much every week. And I don't know about you, but I don't really feel bad for him. Most of the issues that he has faced have been self-inflicted. So it's not, you know, where True X has had some, a bunch of stuff that's, you know, caused him to, to finish behind where he should be finishing. Um, But it was out of his control. This is all in his control. I mean, downshifting is kind of, <laughs> kind of silly to, to, silly reason for you to to wreck and bring out the caution but um it just just kind of feels like it it, it's on him and and i i guess i have less sympathy for him for that
1: yeah you could tell on pit road at the end of the race he was really really beating himself up about the mistake he made I'm kind of on the other side. I feel bad for these guys. There's so much pressure on these guys. And I know they get paid millions of dollars. They're living a great life. They're doing what they want to do. They're having fun. But the pressure is is just so high in these playoff races. And to make an easy, I I would say it's an easy mistake because we've seen guys downshift on accident quite a bit this year where historically you just have not seen it. It's because they've got this new transmission and, and, and the whole new setup in regards to the gear shift knob and all that but i i do feel bad i feel bad for truex my boy truex has had a really long year and had a lot of bad luck uh, blaney's been fast all year and again he just seems to the first two stages he, he's there in the thick of things and then stage three something happens for him to get taken out so um again i feel bad i've i really do feel bad for him hopefully he can put a race together at martinsville and and maybe give him chance, uh, give himself a chance to make the championship race at Phoenix.
0: So finally, let's talk about uh, Chase Elliott and William Byron's days.
1: Yeah, so man, you look at, you look at their days and the first two stages, they were extremely fast. And for whatever reason, that last, you know, stage three, the last run, they pretty much fell off. Uh, it looked like they lost the handling of their cars. I know that uh, Willie B was complaining about his car being really loose as the run went on. Uh, and, and unfortunately they just weren't able to, to rebound and, and get back in the top 10 as, as Elliot finished 14th and, and Byron finished 12th. So some pretty subpar weeks from, from Hendrick here over the last couple of weeks.
0: For sure. We have mentioned before about, the good racing that we saw at this track and there really was no better example of that than the battle for second between ross chastain and aj allmendinger
1: it was really exciting and fun to watch those two battle at the end of the race that last 30 lap run or whatever it was uh they were they were battling back and forth passing each other and still maintaining with Kyle Larson for the, you know, the first 10 or 15 laps of that run, which was really, really impressive. Uh, They were not cutting each other any slack. Uh, They used to be teammates in the Xfinity series at college. So they do have a personal, you know, relationship and a history. So I think that kind of played into things as well, but uh, some just really hard racing. They kept it clean. Uh, They didn't, you know, door bump each other or wreck, uh, I, just a really good, clean racing situation uh, between two drivers who are historically really, really aggressive. And I thought the best part about it was that at the end of the race they're you know, they're parked on pit road. And the first thing AJ Allmendinger did is he went up to Ch- Ross Chastain and gave him a fist bump. I thought that was pretty cool. You don't see a lot of drivers doing that these days. So uh, overall, really cool to see those guys battling it out and, and to do it clean and, and be respectful of each other was impressive to watch.
0: I mean, that's what we have been begging for from these races is drivers to be able to, to push their car, to, to race other drivers and not have to get into their, their rear bumper or dive deep into the corners or, you know, some kind of shenanigan, just actually go out there and see who's faster. And that's, and that's what we saw. And, and AJ let's give some props to AJ Allmendinger who's been racing super well lately. And I wonder, and I don't know what your thoughts are, but if knowing his ride situation, you know, for next year, he's locked into that 16 car kind of maybe put him at ease and, and kind of just let him go do racing. But he's typically known as a, as a road course racer. And these last few races, he is showing that he can race on any kind of track. So I went back and looked at his finishes since the Indy road course race and his last six races have all been in the top 10. So he finished seventh, second, seventh, fourth, ninth, and third. So really good run for, for AJ Allmendinger. And, you know, I know he's kind of bounced back between the cup and Xfinity and it's nice to see him get some success here in the cup late in season.
1: Yeah. Like you said, he's, he's historically been known as a road course ringer. Um, but he's he's showing like you said uh that he he can hold his own on basically any track with the history that or with the results that he's had this year so uh you know next year think about he's going to be in the car full time he's going to have that much more experience under his belt that much more practice with this new car uh the sky's the limit for aj allmendinger next year and you know colleague racing is is an up and coming racing team uh, is is where, is where I would put them. They've got some good resources behind them. Uh, Haley's had a pretty decent year, you know, points wise, it's not great, but he's been in the thick of thick of things, you know, especially on the super speedways, they've got fast cars there. So you just never know uh, how good they're going to be next year. But AJ Allmendinger might be a dark horse guy to sneak into the playoffs.
0: And, I think we've talked about this before. He's like 40 years old, isn't
1: he? Yeah, I think he is 40 it's, to be exact. So that's kind
0: of crazy that he's that old making this run.
1: Yeah, and a little fun fact for you. His, uh, his wife uh, has Nebraska ties. I can't remember if she's from Nebraska or, or has Nebraska ties or whatever, but every now and then you'll see her wearing uh, like a Nebraska shirt or a Nebraska hat, so I thought that
0: was pretty cool as well. So now I have to hate A.J. Elmendinger. So <laughs> and, thanks for and, ruining that.
1: And uh, his his cat, I think his cat's name is Tickles, and it is a social media sensation. So
0: dude,
1: look at, that's your fun dude, fact for the how, night.
0: Where do you pull this stuff from? How do you know this stuff?
1: I have so much <laughs> useless
0: information in my head, guys. It's, Tickles. It's bananas you you surprised me even even after all these weeks of doing this and knowing you for as long as i i have i you still somehow managed to to surprise me with with the things that you know so so uh, i just
1: i just googled this to confirm his name
0: is tickles i at the i don't even google it to confirm it it if if you say it it's true
1: he has a twitter handle it's called at tickles the cat mr tickles it's it's pretty wild man Pretty
0: wild, uh, fucking cats. Okay, let right. back to NASCAR. <laughs> uh, one final thing that I uh, wanted to talk about was the incident on pit road with your boy Martin Truex, uh, who was one of, if not the fastest car, uh, at the race. I think he was leading the race when he went to to pit road, uh, and Kyle Larson gets into the back of him and spins him. Wanted to get your thoughts on what you what you thought happened there
1: yeah so when it initially happened i was i was shocked i could not believe (laughs) that truex had another you know circumstance situation that it all hell broke loose
0: Uh, out of his control so it's different than blaney you know this is out of his control so
1: but in this yeah in this case i don't i I don't know what to believe but larson said as you're going down pit road he did nothing different you're taught to get right behind the guy. Uh, Typically, you turn left or start going into your pit stall about two stalls prior to your pit stall. And as Truex and Larson both both pointed out, Homestead's pit road is the absolute hardest pit road to get on and to see your sign or your pit uh, because of the sun glare, especially in the late afternoon. And Truex said... It was partly Larson's fault and partly he kind of, I don't know if he lost track of where he was at, but he just didn't see a stall and and he, he saw the sign went to slam on his brakes. And that's when kind of Larson uh, turned them right, wrong or indifferent. I don't know. I I don't think anyone's really to blame there other than it was just a, you know, just an unfortunate accident or an unfortunate situation for Truex. And again, he was leading going into pit road. He had the, him and, him and Larson were the class of the field by far. Uh, and if Larson uh, came out second with Truex having the clean air, I'm not sure Larson would have been, been able to pass him in, or, or pass him cleanly. So as a Truex fan, it just, it, it broke my heart seeing, seeing that happen. But luckily, uh, his pit crew reacted very fast Uh, because that could have been a really dangerous situation uh, with with those crew members jumping over the pit wall and possibly getting hit by that car. So again, it sums up Truex's year. It's just been a disastrous year and a lot of things that have been out of his hands have happened. Uh, You can add that to the list again for, for Homestead.
0: Yeah. And I kind of, so it is his fault. I, I I'm in the camp that he missed his pets pit stop or pit stall and then realized it too late why it's unfortunate or why it could be different is if it was a different time and there wasn't as many cars on pit road, he could have still made that if, if Larson's not right on his bumper. And so if there's less cars on pit road, he has time to kind of get into his pit stall. So ultimately I think it is on Truex. It is unfortunate. He did have a fast car. Uh, The, the point about the, the crew getting out of the way. When I saw it live, I saw the Jack and I thought that was a person. And I kind of like held my breath, like what did just, what just happened? Um, and then they showed the replay obviously. And it was everybody safely got out of the way. And it was just the the Jack that was kind of got run over a little bit. So thankfully no, nobody was hurt because that would have been an awful scene, but uh, interesting. Just another example of of how things have gone wrong for, for Martin Truex this year.
1: Take a look at the current standings going into uh, Martinsville this weekend. Joey Logano is locked in with his win. Ross Chastain is plus 19. So it's as long as he doesn't just have an early exit or mechanical issue that puts him out, he should be in points wise in advance to Phoenix Uh, Elliot is third right now at plus 11. Byron is plus five in your cutoff driver as of today with Denny Hamlin being below the cut line by five points, Ryan Blaney below the cut line at minus 18 and Christopher Bell and Chase Briscoe basically being uh, in a must win situation with 33 points behind and 44 points behind respectfully. Uh, when you look at that, Josh, who do you think get in uh, with with those points being pretty tight there toward the bottom of the cutoff?
0: So, obviously, Logano's in. I think Chastain makes it in, and I think Elliott. Uh, so, it really comes down to do I think that Byron or or Hamlin's going to, to get in. I know Toyotas have not been super strong at Martinsville and short tracks. But um, I think recently Hamlin's been the better driver, had the better car, and so even though maybe the stats say that otherwise, I think Hamlin's the the fourth. What about you? I think obviously Logano's in. I think Chastain gets in.
1: He's just got to race of base a conservative race, just get that car to the finish line. He should be good. Uh, I don't think Elliott falls out. Of the playoffs with his 11 point lead. Now, obviously, mechanically she could uh, ruin his day or, or change that scenario. But I think Elliott gets in, which leaves you know us having the three first three the same. I'm on the other camp uh, than you. I think Willie B gets it done. He had a dominant car at Martinsville this spring. Uh, now they are bringing a different tire to Martinsville this weekend so that could throw a wrench into that but uh i i think hendrick is just really really good at martinsville and i think he gets the job done
0: so just to recap the race stage one winner larson stage two winner larson winner larson any uh, guess who uh led the most lap sack
1: i'm gonna guess kyle larson
0: <laughs> it was kyle larson so for the sweep and there was a tweet that We retweeted today that said, had the entire 267 laps at Miami gone green and the final positions were based on speed alone, so a median lap time, Kyle Larson would have finished approximately two and a half miles ahead of second place.
1: Two and a half miles. So he would have almost had the entire field two laps down, which is
0: just wild. So obviously there's a lot of ifs in that statement, but I think that just, I I saw that and it just kind of put in perspective how fast and dominant he was and is just crazy. So uh, I thought that was, was pretty interesting.
1: Yeah, that definitely is. And if, so you look at the, look at Jeff Gluck's poll to see or or gauge what the fans thought of that race. 75.4% of voters said, yes, it was a good race. Uh, I personally thought it would be at least eighty percent, so this is a little lower than uh, I anticipated. But uh, I think there's a lot of fans out there that like to see chaos and like to see wrecks, and you really didn't see that at Homestead, which is more my style of racing. And I think that's probably why the poll is just a little bit lower than what I anticipated.
0: Yeah, there wasn't, uh, you know, when you have a driver that dominates like like he did, kind of takes a little bit of the drama out, and then. The hardcore racing fans, I think, were happy, uh, but the the fans that tuned in to uh, to see a wreck or you know see some drama, kind of left disappointed. So, but overall, pretty good, pretty good result. Seventy five percent said it was a good race. Let's move on to our picks. And unbelievable. My pick, Ralph Chastain, finished second. Yours was Reddick. He finished thirty fifth for the fourth time since we've been doing this. My driver's finished second. So it's so close, close, but no cigar, so close. buddy. So, it's getting pretty frustrating here. I got, I got to get one here before the end of the year. So, we'll see what we can do as we pick uh, Martinsville. So, let's look at the fantasy discussion team average this week: fifty-five. So, pretty low for, for uh, you know, compared to previous weeks. We had a low of ten points. From Patrick McMeekin and Andrew Dickel, so two teams representing the the Dick family there, uh, almost a low for the season, but so close. Of still very impressive, ten points. And then I guess we should talk about who had the high. Um, it was even bigger sandwich with 120 points. <laughs> so not oh, not fantastic. a great week. Uh it is that's embarrassing. It's it's not good. <laughs> that's that's and it wasn't I think there was only three teams that were in the hundreds and that was by far the, the highest. It was was not good. So when we look at the top 12 left in the playoffs, they are Bigger Sandwich In first, up two spots. Taylor Slice, who was in the lead last week, falls to number two. Adam Studer, up two spots to number three. Number four is Ryan Brash, up two spots. Number five, Amy Weiss, down one spot. Number six is Jasmine Rolfes, up one spot. Number seven is Crazy Dale, number two. He moved up five spots. Even bigger, sandwich we mentioned 120 points. Uh, obviously fell six points down to number eight and below that cutoff line. Reagan Rolfes at number nine, up five spots. Kinnick Rolfus down two to number 10. Uh, number 12 is Don Brockman moving down two spots. And then Tracy Norton, number one, friend of the show, down eight in 19th spot. So overall, any, any overall thoughts, Zach, of the the top twelve.
1: uh I'm glad to see a, a sandwich take a big free free fall there. Uh, yeah, I'm not who, used to
0: this; it's weird.
1: Yeah, who was on that team that it was that bad?
0: Did, did you have so, Tyler Reddick? Yeah, I had Tyler Reddick and Chase Briscoe, yeah, and okay. um, Chase Elliott. And
1: hold on, I mean those three guys alone. I mean that's that's at least seventy or eighty points with those three guys. So.
0: Blaney, <laughs> Blaney, Logano, <laughs> and Elliott. So okay. Redick and Briscoe had disastrous days. Blaney, obviously, we talked about, didn't have a great finish, uh, and then Elliott, you know, didn't yep. have a great, kind of just mediocre from the whole team. So I'm not used to not used to this. Uh, only one team in the top six, but the the difference between first and twelfth is 84 points, so down from 118. So we are getting tighter here as we move towards the end of the season. Looking at the bubble. So this is where it gets really interesting. Crazy Dale number two is four points below the cut line. Even Bigger sandwich is 10 points below. Reagan Rolfus is 11. Kinnick Rolfus is 14. Don Brockman is 21 points below the cut line. And then old friend of the show, Tracy Nort, number one. 71 points uh, below the cut line, and and probably is not going to advance. Um, so we have essentially we have eight teams fighting for these last three spots, which is super exciting for this race. I wish that it was a different track, uh, but it is what it is, and uh, it's going to be pretty exciting. I just want to look at a couple of these teams. So Jasmine Rolfus was 20 points below the cut line. After this week, she moved to plus four. Kinnick was 35 points below. He's now only 14 points below. Don Brockman made a move. She went from 40 points below to 21 points. And then you look at uh, Crazy Dale number two, 44 points below the cut line going into last week. Now only four points. And, and then lastly, Reagan Rolfes, 51 points below looking, you know, like she needed a miracle now only 14 points out. So these, these standings have gotten super tight after this last week and is, is only going to make this, this uh, this next race even more exciting. So just wanted to to point that out and and kind of call out how, how tight these standings have gotten going into the last, the last race here.
1: Yeah. I'm glad you pointed it out. That's, those are some pretty big movements uh, with one race and you, with, really no big wrecks or cautions. So obviously uh, the teams that fell had to have had Briscoe, Reddick, some kind of combination like that. And then teams that have gained uh, a, Truex, Larson, Austin Dillon might be on a couple of those teams, uh, Kevin Harvick. So uh, pretty pretty big movements with, with not a lot of chaos. So uh, thanks for pointing that out. When you look at the risers of the week, and this is all playoff related, Patrick McMeekin went from P-22 to P-14, so he's trying to make a run into the money. Crazy Dale number two went from P-12 to P-7. Get it done, Crazy Dale. Reagan Rolfus went from P-14 to P-9, so pretty good Movements there out of the risers this week. And when you look at the fallers, as you pointed out, friend of the show, Tracy Norton, number one, fell to P-19. Even bigger sandwich. Love to see this. Went from P-2 to P-8. And Steve Rolfus, number four. I hate to see this for my boy, Steve. Went from P-13 to P-18. So those are your fallers of the week.
0: Looking at the rookies, Taylor Slice is in P-2. Uncle Bob Schaefer, number one, P-13. Patrick McMeekin is P-14. David in P-25. And then uh, Robert Schaefer, number two, is in P-33. So that wraps up our fantasy uh, discussion. And now we can turn our attention to this week's race at Martinsville.
1: Yeah, it's one of my, I would say one of my favorite tracks up until they brought this new car Uh, the next gen car out which does not do well it's uh, short tracks Uh, but with that being said this weekend's race is called the Xfinity 500 at Martinsville Speedway which is located in Martinsville Virginia and I've got four fun track facts for you in regards to this track Uh, track fact number one Martinsville Speedway was founded in 1947 by the late H. Clay Earls, uh, which Martinsville Speedway is the only track that has hosted NASCAR Cup Series races every year since NASCAR was created in 1949. So that just shows you the history and how long this track has been on the circuit uh, or or the calendar, uh, which I thought was pretty cool. The track vac number two at 0.56 miles in length. The Martinsville Speedway is the shortest track on the NASCAR Cup Series circuit. Uh, Because of its small size, tight corners, and unique shape, described most often as a paperclip, Martinsville offers some of the most exciting and close quarters racing in the sport. Now, I add an asterisk there. That is... Historically, without this, you know, in the past, without this new car. So, we will see if some of the changes that NASCAR made have improved racing there at Marnesville. But historically, this has been a really fun race and track to watch. Track fact number three this track has one feature that no other track on the NASCAR schedule has, and that is the straightaways are paved with asphalt and the corners are paved with concrete. This is mostly due to the harsh winters that Virginia has as asphalt is very susceptible to wear and tear more than concrete. So what they decided to do is they want to make sure that there's no issues in the corner. So they put concrete there thinking that they can always fix the straightaway or the, or the, you know, the two straightaways or the back straightaway uh, and front straightaway if there's any issues to that. But that is the only track on the circuit where you have two different pavement styles on the racing surface and your last track fact of the night and this goes out to our boy jp (laughs) i can't this this is good (laughs) this is good martinsville is famous and it is famous because of their hot dog they have the most famous hot dog in all of nascar It is a Jesse Jones Southern style red dog. Still the same price as it was in 1949 at two bucks a dog. Can't beat that. I mean, it's almost like Costco where they pay you to eat their hot dog. Uh, But there was a little bit of drama with this. In in 2015, they decided to replace the Jesse Jones hot dog with a hot dog created by Smithfield Foods, who is a sponsor of Eric But the the decision backfired terribly and the fans were an, you know cre- creating some chaos and uproar, said it was the worst hot dog they've ever had. So two years later, they decided to bring the original Jesse Jones Southern style red hot dog back. And I will say Mardsville is on my bucket list. And when I go there, I will eat numerous red hot dogs.
0: So what makes it so so good.
1: It's, it's what they do. So it's, it's a red dog, which is very unique. I mean, you know, there's some red hot dogs here in Nebraska because of the corn huskers, but it's a red hot dog. They, they provide a warmed bun for it. And then they cover it with, I think it's some chili as well as a, uh, vinegar based coleslaw. So, uh, that combination makes it one of the most famous hot dogs and if if you watch the race uh on sunday the hot dog shack is literally right in the middle of i believe the front stretch and you will see see lines forever uh, at this uh at the hot dog stand so uh you'll hear the announcers talk about it quite a bit a lot of the drivers will have a couple hot dogs in between practices <laughs> and qualifying, so it's just it's it just another thing of what makes Martinsville so unique. Um, Part of the
0: allure of the track is is the two dollar yeah. hot dog. I appreciate exactly. that they kept the the same price as as nineteen forty nine, uh, so that's pretty cool.
1: Yep. So I just pulled it up. I want to make sure this is right. So it is a red dog topped with mustard, chili, vinegar based coleslaw. And onions so i forgot the onions that's a lot for uh, two bucks but again martinsville is paying you to eat their hot dogs at that price it is too good to be true so uh, i threw that in there for our boy jp who loves hot dogs so
0: uh
1: two bucks a piece
0: that is that's that's just asking for a (laughs) a bad stomach troubles uh later in the race. <laughs> yeah, they better they better have tums and, and some pepto <laughs> for sale alongside with it, but I, it, you you probably can watch the lines as they as they f- go to the hot dog stand eventually they kind of just fade over to the porta potties <laughs> over <to> the <laughs> side. Uh I can't imagine it's it's good for you, but uh that's pretty that's pretty cool. What do you what do you expect to see from from this race? I know a lot of people are not very hopeful. Uh, because of the race that we saw back in the spring but what do you think we're going to see this weekend at at martinsville
1: i think this is going to be a wild card type of race Uh, this spring race uh, was a snoozer of a race you couldn't pass you were stuck where you were at Uh, nascar did do two days of testing Uh, at Martinsville here a couple weeks or a couple months ago. Uh, As I mentioned earlier, they are bringing a new tire compound to Martinsville to hopefully uh, wear faster and to put more rubber down to give these cars grip as the race progresses. But with that being said, this next-gen car, for whatever reason, is abysmal at short track races. And it's unfortunate because this race has historically been a really exciting um cut race going into the championship a lot of bumping and banging you'll see guys do stuff that they normally don't do uh the first thing that comes to mind is is when Logano basically uh took out Truex unfortunately that win got him into the championship and he did go on to win the championship that year but um again historically this race has been fantastic a lot of drama I'm not sure we're going to be able to see that, though, come Sunday, because this car just is not suited for these short tracks for whatever reason. With that being said, uh, I guess, what are your expectations or thoughts heading into Sunday?
0: I have no idea. Um, Everybody that I, everything I read, everybody that I listen to is not hopeful for this race. They're way smarter than me. They know more about this than I do. So I don't have any reason to to go against what the overall public opinion is other than it's the last race of the playoffs of this cutoff. And I just, I want to see a really good race. So I'm hoping for no reason, I have no data to, to back it up. I just hope that we see a good race and, and it can continue this, this, this section of races, this cutoff, these three races that we've seen are the two pre- two previous to this one. Um, have been really good and have been what we've wanted to see in the playoffs. And I hope that Martinsville doesn't screw that up. Uh, I love short tracks. That's why I got it. I started following NASCAR was because of the short tracks. I hate to see them be this black sheep of, of NASCAR tracks. So I hope that, that it can, can, for whatever reason or somehow, they can figure this out and and we can have a good product on, on Sunday.
1: Yeah. I, I hope you're right, man. Uh, NASCAR, as you pointed out has had two really solid weeks with good, clean racing, uh, drivers could pass. It was fun to watch. Uh, and with this being a cutoff race to decide who makes the championship final four, uh, you got to hope that the race is good and not just an absolute snoozer. Uh, like I mean, and you said that, was.
0: and you said the tires. So maybe the tires is the, is the, you know, the wild card where there's some wear down and, and, you know, gives them a little bit more grip and maybe that's all they need to, to be able to pass and, and make this a little bit more. I mean, it's gotta be better than the spring, right?
1: It, I mean, it can't get worse. So <laughs> uh, yeah, again, we're, we're hopeful. A lot of the things that, like you pointed out, we've read, we've watched, we've seen. Don't sound promising or seem promising, but uh, let's hope that the one tire fix that they've made uh, at least improves from the spring race and, and hopefully gets a little bit better. But you look at the driver stats. Uh, Blaney leads the average finishing uh, driver list with a 10.2 average finish. Hamlin is second at a 10.7. Keslowski is third at 11.1. And then Logano and Kyle Bush are both tied for fourth at 11.7. Uh, again, those are historical stats. This is kind of a, a wild card type situation with this car at this track. Uh, so if you look at the top five from the spring race, uh, Willie B uh, led the most laps and one. Logano finished second. Austin Dillon finished third. Blaney finished fourth. Ross Chastain finished fifth. Uh, Chase Elliott was fast all day. He led a giant chunk of laps as well. Um but didn't finish in the top five. But, uh, when you look at this race, I think qualifying is absolutely critical at this track track position is king. You cannot get mired in the back and expect to work your way up to the front like you could in years past. So, uh, for those of you that are in the playoffs or, or those of you that love Martinsville and are watching the race qualifying will be the most critical that we've seen all year this weekend at Martinsville, uh, especially with this race being the cutoff race. But with that being said, let's jump to our picks of the race. Josh, you get to go first. Hit me.
0: I would like to wait until qualifying is over to make my pick. Can <laughs> can we do that?
1: Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that uh, be nice?
0: Yeah, because because honestly, I have no freaking clue. Um, I've been going back and forth for the last couple of days, I know that I was picking first and I knew I had to pick somebody. Um, I thought Hamlin was, uh, he's been quick lately. Toyota's um not real great on the short tracks. So probably not him. Obviously he has historically done well here. Um, then I, then I was like, okay, I even got some advice from Norton. Like, Hey, who would you pick? He obviously lent, he went towards uh, Blaney. I can't pick him. And so then it goes to, okay, so now we've got team Hendrick. You know, you said chase Elliot was fast Blaney, you know, fit, won the race in the spring. So Byron. of all the, I mean, Byron, sorry, Byron uh, won the, the race in the spring. And so obviously Hendrick has something figured out. I'm not going to pick Willie B. So that means that the, uh, the pick is chase Elliott allows me to root for my guy to get into the playoffs. And I honestly have no idea. He'll probably finish second. Cause that's how this, this goes.
1: Well, I think, I think he's going to finish in the twenties. So that that's a great pick on your part. No, I'm <laughs> just kidding. I don't, who knows where they'll finish, but qualifying. I mean, if it makes you feel better, he did, he did qualify first in a spring race. Obviously that didn't do him any good, but um, he did qualify first, but um, what, I think Hendrick is going to be fast. It seems like they've got they've got Martinsville figured out, even with this new car. uh, Byron needs a good finish to hopefully sneak sneak himself in uh, to the championship race uh, at Phoenix. Uh, I'm going to go with Willie B for the simple standpoint uh, that him and Chase were the two best cars in the spring. You've got to think they've got a good notebook. Uh, and they're going to be two fast cars again, uh, this weekend. So
0: I got, I got to hope that he can't sweep Martinsville. Like, so that that's gotta be, it's hard to win the same race twice. And I just got to hope that he can't, he can't do it.
1: Now I will say, like if if, so if you, we made our picks, if you were going to pick a wild card, who would it be?
0: Shoot. It'd probably be Blaney if I had um, to.
1: Yep. Uh, my wild cards are Logano and Blaney. I think those two Logano, huh? I think Logano's is going to be fast. Uh, he's, he's raced really well there in the past. Uh, again, he took out true X was able to win that race and then went on to, to Phoenix or Homestead. I can't remember where he won that championship at. I think it was Homestead, but um, nonetheless, he was up there content, you know, contending for wins. I think he finished in the top 10 there this spring, him and Blaney. Uh, typically run well at Martinsville so I would say that those two could potentially be your wild cards now can you imagine if Ryan Blaney wins this race which then knocks soon Chastain gets in then that knocks either Chase or Willie B out of the playoffs and how bad would how mad would you be if Chase Elliott for some reason has a bad day on the day that you pick him Blaney wins and Elliott misses the final four championship race. That, so we I both, mean that's...
0: we both know that would be a damn shame because Elliott's had the better season. So I know it doesn't matter, but it would be a damn shame if if Elliot misses this misses this final four
1: i agree i'm just saying that that is within the realm of possibility it is a
0: possibility although history would tell me that blaney will fuck this up somehow so i'm not not too concerned
1: what's going to happen is he's going to downshift he's going to lead the be leading the race going into turn four downshift on accident spin out but he's going to have enough momentum that he crosses the the checkered flag backwards or the finish line backwards to still win the race
0: is this a movie is this cars three
1: that'd be
0: be pretty sweet but i mean it would be it would be entertaining that i am sure the the good race poll would be very excited about that so um well we'll see i mean we both picked hendrick drivers uh for good reason not a lot to go on with 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 this short track and, and these cars but uh we will see we'll be watching those two drivers and see what happens this weekend
1: yeah, the main thing is, let's just hope that it's a good race for, for this to be the cutoff race of the championship yeah, sure. race. Let's just hope it's a good race um, to be determined.
0: There's a lot of, lot of movement that could happen this week in the NASCAR playoffs, as well as our fantasy playoffs. I know I texted Norton saying he's not going to be able to tweet fast enough for me. I need I I want like every minute I want to know every race every lap that goes through I want to know how does this impact and who's who's in and who's out uh it's it's going to be a lot of fun and I can't wait hopefully it's a good race and we get to talk about uh who's going to make the the who will be in the championship uh next week
1: Yeah can't wait man again I'm I'm really excited for this weekend I I hope it's not a bad race but uh, nonetheless, there's going to be some excitement, whether that's fantasy drama, whether that's uh, points drama in NASCAR overall. Sunday can't get here fast enough. Are you going to watch it live? Or are you going to tape it? Um, trying to think what I have going on this weekend. I've been able to watch the last two weeks live, so my goal is to hopefully watch it live. I might not be able to watch from the start live, but you know, I'll, I'll be able to get to the TV fast enough where. I might have to fast forward for the first hour, but after that, I'll I'll try to watch live after that, just so uh, I can follow Nort's tweets. And uh, if you're, if you two are texting, I can keep up with that and and play along and hopefully root against you.
0: I have my daughter has a basketball game at two o'clock on Sunday. So uh, I will be having the, the old headphones in and, and the phone up just so I can kind of keep an eye on the beginning part of the race. Like you said, I don't want to miss those tweets from Norton. So uh, typically I have to mute that when I uh, watch it, you know, on taped, yeah. uh, just like you do. So uh, I want to, I want to get the the full experience and, and get those live tweets. So uh, we'll talk next week and, and we can review or we'll review who's uh, in the, in the championship four.
1: Sounds good, man. Can't wait. Have a good night. We'll uh, we'll talk to you again soon. The atop the Pit Box podcast is supported by paradiseexecutiveproperties.com. With winter coming up, now is a great time to book a trip to Lake of the Ozarks, and Paradise Executive Properties has you covered. They have several modern and fully furnished homes for up to 19 people, so bring your friends and family down to create a memory that will last a lifetime. For more information or to book your reservation, visit paradiseexecutiveproperties.com. Com. Thank you, my friends. God bless. It's no days off. Take no breaks. You in my lane. You in my way. You cross that line. It ain't your day. I lost my mind. I
0: need my spark.